Welcome to the last lap podcast. Welcome to the last lap podcast. Welcome everybody to the Last Lap Podcast. I am your host, as always, Andrew Pearson, and alongside me is the man turning the banter knob to eleven, Sean Gray. Hello. <laughs> I'm trying to make my um, what's the word uh, greeting as banterific as possible, but I just don't think I've, I've got it in me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm you, just you're... a very monotone sort of stoic personality by nature, so I'm not really sure. How to make that any more exciting than just hello? <laughs> I think I, I think I rather like it that way. I think I quite like building it up only for for it to be dashed every single time. Uh, joining us on the hashtag F1 Banter Show this week is Nikki Holdenby. Hello, way uh, likes banter. Way. <laughs> <laughs> See, Nikki gets it. It's fine. <laughs> it, it, yeah, your... but he's a he's an international superstar celebrity, oh. isn't he? So this is he's... true. He's got the stage patter, isn't he? He, kn- he knows, yeah, he's, he knows, man. He knows how to work a crowd. <laughs> International all the way across Yorkshire. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Yorkshire was the centre of the world. It is. <laughs> said with, with, with no hint of irony. Um, <laughs> I'm going to Leeds next week. Side note, sorry. Yeah. I know that's not really interested in Formula 1, but I'm going to be in Yorkshire next weekend. So, woo. Yay, Yorkshire. <laughs> Yay, Leeds. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, inspired by a thread on uh, Reddit, I thought we could we could pose ourselves a little bit of a challenge this week uh, in that we have to say something positive about every single driver on the F1 grid this year. <laughs> you could have just left that. We have to say something positive. Full stop. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> That would have been a challenge. This is a challenge. Challenge, anyway. Well, after the last Grand Prix, certainly. (laughs) Challenge of saying something positive about every single driver. Do you want to? Are we going to do every driver each, or take one at one goes for one driver, or are we all saying something positive about them all, sort of thing? How 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 do you want to work it? I think we've all got to say something positive about every driver. About every driver. So you're going to get three different positive. For preference, three different positive things. I think there's going to be some of those where we might just have to go. Yeah, that's as positive. <laughs> that's, that's what is the only well, positive no, that's thing. That's fine. But... I am a ray of sunshine. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. Okie dokie. So I, I'm going to use the um, the F1 pages driver lineup, which means um, for some unknown reason, um, it, it's not quite in, in team order. Uh, I think it's possibly in championship order at the moment. So um, this is going to be a bit weird, but f- follow the order as we go through. So we start off with um, our championship leader, Lewis Hamilton. Sean, say something positive about our Lewis. He is probably, in fact, I would say definitely, the single one-lap quickest driver on the grid. Um, if, you, if, if you had uh, one, if it was one lap qualifying, and you had one man to shoot one fastest lap for your life, he'd be the one. Okay. Nicky, what, what can you say about Lewis? Well, you've nicked mine. So. <laughs> 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 um, 
he's great at bringing a team together. Now. Um, <laughs> uh, he's very appreciative of fans. There we go. <laughs> Uh, every fan at every track every fan they are always the best uh mine is um i think lewis uh excels uh at arranging uh a team to to suit what he wants out of a car i i think there's been very few times in his career he's he's ever had to compromise on on car setup uh at the behest of his his own teammate and i think that's because he's very good at uh becoming integral to whichever team he is driving for okay and i think that i think that's a skill i don't think every everybody can do that i think if yeah, if yeah. more drivers could do that we'd have more dedicated number ones in more teams it's a personality thing then more than a yeah, a technique thing. You mean, yeah, like no, that's fair. That's probably a fair comment. Uh, say something positive about Sebastian Vettel, Nicky. Uh, he's quite funny. The sense of humour is very good. There we go. <laughs> For a German, that's quite a compliment. Exactly. Sean, this shouldn't be too difficult for you. No, say I something mean, I, I could positive easily say something. I could easily say something positive regarding his technique or his ability in the car. But what I like about Sebastian more than that is, the, and I surprised myself saying this. If I'd said this six years ago, five years ago, I'd have probably slapped myself in the face. But I, I've really warmed to his personality. Um, just the way he interviews... Um, and the way he conducts himself in press conferences, he's, he's, he's growing up from the finger pointing guy who was dominating everything in the Red Bull to someone who I think is a quite a mature, um, for example, the way he, stayed, the way he stepped in when uh, Lewis was getting heat for the comment he made about Max a few weeks ago and things like that. Just little things like that. The way he conducts himself with the media, I've really warmed to over the last few years. So, uh, yeah, that would be my um, my positive about Seb. So my positive thing about Sebastian Vettel is uh, I think there have been very few drivers who are as adaptive as Sebastian Vettel is. Um, and by that... I mean less that he can naturally just, um, you know, adapt to whatever's happening to him. It's more a case that um, he learns his lessons well, I feel. Um, I don't think you see Sebastian often make the same mistake more than once, um, which even uh, which is something I don't think you can even say of somebody as, as talented as Lewis, who can occasionally be caught out in the same trap more than once. I, I feel like Sebastian Vettel has something negative happens to him and then he, he grows from it and becomes better for it. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> Say something nice about Valtteri Bottas, uh, Sean. Um. It's <laughs> <laughs> a more difficult one, I'm afraid, sorry. Yeah, I'm. I'm I, I, this is this, this sounds really harsh, but I can't think of anything. And it's not because he's not nice; he's just kind of there, a little. Um, 
I I really appreciate, and I think everybody, most more more or less all of us do, a stoic Scandinavian. Um, that that's what's not to like about that. But that that that's not really one thing. Like I don't know. Can you come back to me? <laughs> <laughs> We'll, we'll see if we'll see if Nikki can come up with something slightly uh, <laughs> slightly more definite. Wow, uh, I think he's quite consistent. He was the best qualifier last year on average, um, so I think consistency is definitely vital to his strength. Um, yeah, uh, um, I think um, Bottas might possibly be the nicest man on the grid. Like, out and out nice. I, 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 I think he's replaced Nico Rosberg. Generally, is that you know always always liked how how Nico was, and I think Valtteri is the person now on the grid that I just think what a nice guy, what a really nice guy. You know, win win or lose, it just you know, not just because of his slightly. The, the finished idioms of, of not really showing that much emotion or anything like that. But I just, just genuinely feel that he's just a really nice guy. I agree with that. That's, that's basically what I said. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I, both of you are absolutely correct, actually. And he is consistent and he is really, really nice. So I'm going to claim half of them each for my opinion. <laughs> Consistently nice. Consistently nice, yes. There we go. Correct, yes. <laughs> and nicely consistent, that's... Uh... Always good as well. Uh, say something nice about Kimi Raikkonen, please, Nikki. Oh, um, I like that he's apparently a very different person away from the cameras. I think that's really cool. Like, he knows what his personality is perceived to be, and he plays to it a bit, I think, uh, which is fun. So, yeah, I guess his persona is the uh, best thing. I agree with you on that one. I like, I like the fact that I think at the start maybe he was a bit moody and, and difficult, um, and then by sticking with it for so long, it's allowed him now to, when he's not being, you know, actually in a mood from something, to be able to do all of his interviews in about three seconds flat, yeah, and then he can just go, Pwah! and <laughs> that that's all the internet requires from him realistically as a as an interview. He can get away with it because he is Kimi Raikkonen. Sean, um, is I like that he is. This is going to sound like not necessarily a, a positive, but I think that it is. I like that he's content to be the number two in the Ferrari, because that's the way that team works, and like it or low that Ferrari need a solid number two, who can do that job, and I like that he's. That he's content with that. I like Kimi Raikkonen for uh, the, the 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 sheer number of memes he's been able to <laughs> to generate across his career, starting with things like the ice cream, and working his way up to wandering through the desert at Bahrain, uh, missing his steering wheel, uh, and a host of other ones. He the the wonderful <laughs> his wonderful personality coupled with when things like that happen and his sort of ability to to do something entirely photogenic or or, or memory or or sort of uh, memorable 
it is just brilliant. We just love Kimi Raikkonen. Who doesn't like Kimi yeah, Raikkonen? Yeah, exactly. Really? Uh, speaking of people that you can't not like, Daniel Ricciardo. Say something nice about Danny Rick, Mr. Gray. Uh, I'm glad you've come to me first there because I get a nice easy one then. Uh, <laughs> he is the best uh, overtaker on the grid, I would say. Nice easy one for me to start. <laughs> uh, Nikki, what's uh, what's something good about Mister Ricciardo? <laughs> um, uh, other than that, uh, other than that, anybody who doesn't uh, follow Formula One can't say his last name properly. <laughs> That's probably it, actually. But, um, <laughs> just his personality is great, isn't it? I think F One would be a poor place without him and his antics, uh, especially in the press conferences. If Danny Rick's in a press conference, you know it's going to be a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. He's always smiling. He's just good for the place. You know, he brightens up the place. Exactly. In a world where sometimes we have Lewis and Seb sitting in the huff, you know, you're right. Yeah, right. He's good to have around. I'm going to say, say um, that he has the best nickname of any driver ever. Um, I can't even think what it is. What he is, is it? the Honey Badger. Oh yeah, because <laughs> Honey Badger, Badger, don't give a <laughs> s word. And I, I love just, it's just something about that that is so Danny Rick, and because it's it, it's it contains everything that I, I think it, it it sort of encapsulates everything that you need to know about Danny Rick. That yes, there's all the determination of actually the Honey Badger but also the funness of taking something like a meme and turning it into a cool nickname. And that's Danny Rick sort of all over with the, with the megawatt smile. And, and he makes people drink champagne from his shoe amazingly after a race, how he's managed to convince what would be otherwise normally normal, intelligent people to <laughs> sip champagne from a 70 laps worth of sweat filled shoe. Is that's kind of impressive, you've got to admit. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, say something positive about Max Verstappen. I'll let anybody take that one. I think I'll go with the word hype. I like how much hype there is around him and his fans. Like when you see everyone in the, in the orange wigs at the races. It's like, this guy is the hype man, isn't he? So I'm going to say that. <laughs> John? Um, he's obviously super talented. We all, we all know that. But oh, man, I find that difficult. Do you know, if you'd asked me this question a month or two, even two months ago, I'd have probably been able to say something. But he's just let himself down the last couple of months with some of his silliness and his just inexperience. But when he first came into the Red Bull and won that Spanish Grand Prix, the way he defended that day made me think, yeah, this guy knows, this guy knows what he's doing already. You know, it reminded me of Alonso um, defending to Schumacher in the Renault versus a Ferrari at the start of Alonso's career. And right away, you knew someday uh, 
So the real deal had arrived, and that's what I thought that day with Max Verstappen. I was like, "Oh wow, that's that's properly impressive for you know stepping into the big boy team for the first time." So it's difficult because he's come off the back of two or three just silliness. You just want to sit him down and put him on the naughty step and say, "Stop it! You're better than that." Um, but I was still going to say the positive is his just his ability to battle, and and I understand he's made some some boo-boos on that front recently. But in general, I think it's still a positive that his ability to to, to get into a fight and to, to scrap, get the elbows out and, and, and you know, take on take on your, your Lewis's and your Sebs, etc., is is still a positive for him, despite some of his daftness recently. So my positive is, uh, I think he is positively, uh, and we're in a positive manner, unpredictable uh, and i like what that does to racing um i think sometimes f1 benefits a little bit from people who don't do things in the conventional manner um and that it forces people to race in a different way than they might do going up to the back of the 20 other drivers on the grid um i, I kind of like that if people are going to get past Max, they're going to really have to get past Max, uh, and not in a not in the way that uh, everybody else is. You know, I, I'll I'll fight you uh, unless it's one of the sort of three sanctioned moves on a track where we all go, oh, okay, well, if he's making this move, then I probably don't fight it. I kind of like that. Sort of Max will fight to the death practically for for any move uh, to try and you know. Uh, keep a place so i like that sort of unpredictableness of his driving yeah i think that's a fair point following on tell me something positive about uh the meme factory that is fernando alonso i think um i'm sorry you can go nicky okay jump in Uh, first (laughs) um what was gonna say oh yeah uh, his main strength is that whatever car you stick in him, uh, stick him in, uh, he's probably going to do a good job in it. Even in that McLaren from 2015 to 2017, even though the engine wasn't great, he still managed a few fifth places and a couple of sixth places. And then his, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He's... Um, He's got a diverse skill set that lends itself to any category of racing. Mm. For me, it's pretty simple. He's the best driver of the 21st century. And that probably includes Schumacher. Um, He's just everything, the whole package, everything you could possibly want in a racing driver. And that, that kind of goes to what you were saying, Nicky, about he could go over to IndyCar, he can go to Le Mans, he can do endurance, he can do touring cars, whatever you want, he'll do it and he'll win. He's that good. He's got everything. Attack, defence, speed, the ability to manage a car, tactics, racecraft, whatever you want to call it. He's got the whole lot and he's proven it time and time again and it will be an absolute crying shame if he retires with only two world titles. But that's F1 for you and sometimes it doesn't always work out that way in F1. Um, But he's, he's the best driver I've ever seen in my life as someone whose first season watching f1 was 1999 um he's he's the he's the best i've ever seen 
I'm going to try and just be different again. I'm, I'm trying to think of different things to be positive about. And it's so, so many things, that, uh, especially all the things that you guys have already mentioned about him. Um, I like, um, or I find what I find really positive is the way that he, sort of personality wise, he he's changed in his time at McLaren. And it's something that kind of happened um, to some extent with a, a lot of drivers who sort of, move on after their a, a real high into something um you know less schumacher was the same when he went to mercedes really in that um, his personality changed and mellowed and, and you you saw different things about him in the car whilst still retaining you know all the fight all of the um you know talent and all the other bits and pieces i, I have loved who fernando alonso has become in his second stint at mclaren because um He's just gold, you know, on and off the track, in interviews, in his in-race radio. He's just become somebody who feels like, uh, like he's almost become completely comfortable with who he is. When at Ferrari, I think, you know, he, he probably was fighting so hard to try and win that title at Ferrari. I don't think he got to be himself, really. It was all part of the big, huge Ferrari machine. And because McLaren haven't been doing so well, because, you know, the pressure's off of him to be winning a title in and of itself, you know, within a season, I think that's allowed him to to grow and become this guy who we all look forward to hearing what he says when I didn't necessarily care particularly too much about listening to him when he was at Ferrari and, and to some extent, even at, you know, um, at Renault and Benetton, particularly, um, he was just a very good racing driver at those point, but it was, he said things that were fairly good racing driver esque stuff, but I, I love who he is now for the last, the last few years at McLaren. I think he's been, uh, he's been wonderful and good and great for the sport. I yeah, I, compl- I completely agree with that. Sorry, Nick. Sorry. I think um, Fernando's a little bit like Kimmy in that he knows what his personality is now and he plays to it. And I guess the other thing is both of them know that, that this, at this point they can get away with it. Both yeah. been in the sport long enough. Definitely. Have everybody, everybody respects them for what they've done. So, you know, there's no, oh, you should have more respect for everything. It's funny because even Lewis Hamilton can't quite get away with that, can he? You see, you see that Lewis gets gets sometimes gets called out on how he behaves, but in su- in some ways, sometimes Fernando and Kimi do things that would possibly be described as less than respectful to the uh, <laughs> to the sort of process of things, just because they know that they can get away with it. So, um, I guess it you, you've got to cu- cultivate that that sort of cult of personality to a point where you can get away with that sort of thing, and that's something those both of those drivers have done. Uh. Nikki, tell me something positive about Nico Hulkenberg. Well, he is uh, the strongest qualifier at the moment. Um, the last time he was beaten by his teammate in qualifying in a fair fight was at Japan in 2016, which is quite impressive. Um, and yeah, aside from Fernando Alonso, he's the driver who's beaten his teammate the most in qualifying during his career. There's a little stat for you. Ah, interesting stuff, yeah. Sean? Um, uh, I'm having difficulty with Nico Hulkenberg because I really, really like the guy. I like his personality a lot. Um, 
I'm having difficulty nailing down exactly what it is I like about him. A bit like what you said about Bottas, he just, he just seems really nice and friendly. And I like that about him. I'm a warm to him without needing needing anything else. Just 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 him being there, I find myself liking him. Um, but 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 I find it hard to nail down any one specific thing about him that that makes me feel that way. You know what I mean? I just like him. <laughs> That's quite positive. It's always good to know that you're a likable person. Um, I positive about Nick Osberg. I actually think of the established midfield drivers. So that's the people who have been in, in F1 for more than about four seasons or so. Uh, I actually think he's the most talented out of out of the midfield sort of established drivers. I, I rate him more than I do um, sort of Perez and Grosjean um, and people like that who have been in F1 for a while in and around those things. I probably might even rate him more than I do Bottas. Um, I see him, I feel that he's kind of had the, the Nick Heidfeld career um, where he's almost had chances to, to do really good stuff. And then it's not, it's not quite happened. Like when the Renault was quite quick, he had terrible, you know, he had some, some really bad reliability problems, um, which meant that he sort of finished behind Perez. But really when you look at it, that's, that's not quite quite as fair as it should have been because you know Perez would finish two or three races more a season than him or you know he'd 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 get classified but it'd be like 16th or 17th because you know the car still broke down on him but enough to classify him so um i actually think you know if you had to if i had to put a punt on somebody to just you know if they if you removed all of the the drivers from the uh the sort of top four teams uh, and fernando alonso I think Nico Hockenberg would probably be the probably the first person on my shopping list to to take into a team where I know he'd be good from the off. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I think it's interesting comparing him to Nick Heidfeld. Must be something about people with uh, the initials NH. Yeah, yes, careers. <laughs> it's probably just as well for Rosberg that you know he he was his. Father wasn't um, Keke Hosberg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, say something good about Kevin Magnussen. I like his attitude. Eh? Um, mm. it gets him in a bit of bother sometimes, but you need you need that. You know, he doesn't toe the media line. Uh, you know, he doesn't necessarily say the politically correct thing that in the past. You know. It, He's got a bit of the touch of the Mark Webbers about him, you know. Mm. Says, yeah, what he, uh, says what he feels, you know, and he's not particularly concerned if people don't like it. And it's not always necessarily the right thing to say, <laughs> but it's the fact that he's got the, you know, the wherewithal to just say it anyway. It, I, I, it's hard not to like that in someone. So mm-hmm. definitely his media style, shall we say, is a positive for me on Kevin Magnuson. Yeah. On the same line, I think um, he's not affected by criticism. But true, that's true. That that could become a negative <laughs> if, if he carries on doing what he's doing at the moment. But he just kind of let it, lets it all roll off him, doesn't he? Uh, which is good. Yeah, I, 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 something kind of along all those bits and pieces is that it's a combination of this. Is that I like the fact that adversity doesn't seem to dent his. Um, 
belief in himself. Um, and that's something that even sometimes really great drivers, you, you can't say, you think about Lewis Hamilton as somebody who can sort of destabilize himself almost. Do you know what I mean? That he can get himself in a, uh, in a spiral somewhat that he finds it difficult to sometimes put himself out. Whereas I think Kevin Magnussen, whether sometimes it's right or wrong, is sort of bulletproof to those bits and pieces and has, a, I think, a solid belief in his talent, which I think is really immense. Uh, and I, I think he's, sh- he's getting to show it now with the Haas being a decent car. Um, that actually, you know, it, I think McLaren probably are a bit like, it's a real shame that we, you know, we couldn't hold on to him because it'd be quite nice to be able to have, uh, you know, if, if if Alonso wasn't here, having maybe Magnussen and Van Dorn in a team would have been quite a an interesting and, and quite a good pairing uh, for the team for, you know, a, a, a foreseeable future. And, you know, he obviously only lost out because, you know, you're not going to kick Jensen Button and Fernando Alonso out of seats. It's just, you know, as Kevin Magnussen at that point in his career, it's not going to happen. But even then, he still didn't, you know, he he could have given up. He could have sort of wandered away and gone, well, fine, that was my that was my shot at F1 and accepted what was going to happen. And, he, you know, he, 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 he's also taken chances in going to Haas and stuff. You know, he, he moved. He didn't accept, you know, oh, you know, I, I, I'm going to be shuffled out of this seat to go somewhere else. No, I'm going to go to Haas and I'm going to make a success from it. And he is. And I think that's very admirable. Uh, Nicholas, tell me something positive about Carlos Sainz Jr. Hmm. It's an interesting one. Um, he has good hair. He's <laughs> <laughs> very good hair, to be fair. He's, um, I think Carlos is underrated because of the whole Max Verstappen thing. Carlos was decent against Max and um, he's showing his worth a little bit at Renault now. But I, yeah. I think he's underrated. Is that a positive? I don't really know. Uh, I guess you could say it, it, it's positive. How can it, I spin it, that into being a positive? I thing? guess you could say his 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 talent is um, better than the racing he's been allowed to to take part in. Yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> Sean, uh, I like Carlos's consistency. I think he's um, he, 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 whether it's a positive or, or not, it might be seen as a negative. This comment I'm about to make, but he's a safe pair of hands. You know, he's, he you could stick him in. He reminds me of like a, a little miniature Fernando Alonso. In that you mm-hmm. know, no matter what car you put him in, he's going to do a job. He's going to get the maximum out of the car. Um, and if that car's capable of finishing the points. More often than not, it'll finish in the points with Carlos. It's nothing, it's not like a bit like Lewis or what's his strength? He's, he's blistering quick at some tracks. So, what's Ricardo's strength? He's great overtaking. I feel like Carlos is just a really solid all rounder. He's got a bit of everything. And with the right, you know, career developing in car, he, he could, and it's a huge statement to make, but he could potentially fill that Fernando Alonso shoes. Um, I, I think he's that good. And I, I like a driver like that who's got a bit of everything. You know, I, obviously, I was singing Alonso's praises earlier, and I, I guess the biggest positive I could say is he reminds me of a young Alonso. That's the biggest positive I could possibly say about Carlos Sainz. 
Yeah, I was I was going to go or something along the same the same same lines. I, I feel that Carlos is possibly you know he's um, the driver with the most consistent skills in all areas of his of his driving. I, I think there's there's nothing that he is poor on. I think he just needs to keep on pushing himself to to that next level. Hopefully with the Renault, he'll be able to prove that, um, you know, compared to being in the Toro Rosso where you know your car is going to be of a, of, of a lower performance compared to most of the other cars due to sort of the budgetary and the the, t- the way that the team is set up. So um, I think it will be interesting to see whether he, you know, depending on Danny Rick's moves and all the other bits and pieces, whether he does stay within the Red Bull partnership or whether he, he you know, He's maybe picked up for Renault long term, which I think would show an interesting, you know, ambitious side to him to to maybe walk away from what might feel like a more secure um, family, you know, saying, well, you know, I could always go back to Toro Rosso. And then when Danny Rick goes, I could always go to uh, Red Bull and all the bits and pieces because I'm I'm higher up the pecking order than Gasly and all the other bits and pieces. Be interesting to see whether he sees, you know, whether he wants to fight in the Renault or go back to rebel and see and roll the dice on whether he gets that big seat. Um, Sean, tell me something positive about Sergio Perez. Perez. Sergio Perez has an uncanny knack to pick up podiums like nobody, like a, like a scavenger. He's, <laughs> he finds himself somehow Baku being a, just the latest example in a in a long list of results. Um, yeah, he finds himself in the right place at the right time quite often. And I think that's a talent. I do think that that's a positive, something to be said for that. You know, whether it's sticking a staff set of tires on and trying to ring it out for nine-tenths of the race and seeing if you can fluke a position by doing something contrary, I definitely think there's a skill in that. And Sergio seems to have perfected that art. Um, more than anybody else. Uh, I'm going to say that Sergio Perez possibly has one of the best feels for driving on the on the grid, shown in the ability, the fact that he uh, can manage his tyres possibly better than almost anybody else on the grid. Nikki, can you find a, a third um, in there? I agree with both things that you've said. Um... He's very patriotic, this Perez. Do you remember the whole going on with the sunglasses brand that he was sponsored by? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was uh, it, 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 very patriotic to just turn down a sponsor based on something that they've said. Yes. Which was a, uh, which was a good move. By so it suggests uh, what, a, a strong principled. A loyalty? Yeah. yeah, strong principled. Yeah, fair enough. I like that. Yeah, that's a good one. Does, and I think it's true. I think just from everything I know about Perez and hear the way he speaks in the media and stuff, he does come across that way. You know, as someone who won't budge. You know, think of his. He's had a few conflicts over the years. You know, Felipe Massa, Esteban Ocon, guys like this. Sometimes. He's strong, strong will. This certainly something to describe Sergio Perez. That's for sure. So, yeah, fair enough. Uh, say something good about. Pierre Gasly. Uh, I'm going to say um, France's best hope for a world champion. Hello? Anyone else? Did, uh, did you, did, what did you say there? Sorry. You, uh, <laughs> so I, I, think you met, I think you 
So I said, I said Pierre Gasly, mm-hmm. uh, and I was going to go for France's best hope for a world champion. Since Prost, I assume. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess so. There hasn't been an overly overabundance of them, but yeah, that's certainly a fair comment. Um, Pierre Gasly. I don't know an awful lot about him, to be honest. Um, I've been fairly, fairly impressed with what I've seen. He certainly had a good result in Bahrain. Um, do you know, I, I can't actually, just through ignorance, I can't really nail something down here. I don't really know. I don't really know him. I don't. I haven't. I haven't got to know him as a, either as a driver or as a personality yet. But um, I, what I could say as a positive is that I have been impressed with what I've seen thus far. Anything to add, Dicky? Yeah, I'm in the same boat, really. Um, I think when he was f- when he partnered Sainz in those first races, was it Sainz that he partnered or Kvyat? Anyway, whichever one it was, he was quite Both close. Probably to at one point or another. Yeah, he was quite close to them in qualifying. And um, I think the fourth place in Bahrain proves that he's quite adaptive to whatever car he has. Uh, so that's a potential positive going forward, I think. I think he's definitely got potential. Okay. Uh, this one should be a very easy one. Uh, tell me something positive about Charles Leclerc. Nicky. Oh, um... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I wasn't sure who was going first. Um, well, I think for such a young person, he is uh, very wise in his years. And um, I think his campaign in F2 last year proved that uh, with everything that was going on his, in his life at the time. Um, and yeah, he's just a really good driver. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that's the positive. He's just a good driver. He's just a really good driver. Um, yeah, I think... He's probably one of the most exciting young talents in the spot at the moment. And and it will be interesting to see how his career progresses over the next few years. Sean? I can feel myself potentially making a a Sean Gray big statement here. Oh, I like Uh-oh. it. Bring it. Um and I guess it's a positive. Charles Leclerc will be a world champion before Max Verstappen. <gasps> oh, I love it. That's great. Prediction. Stick it in the diary. Take the date down. I've said it. Brilliant. I like that. That's really good. Hmm. Yeah, I'll I, I tell you what. I'll, I'll go. I'll, um, I'll go one, one along those lines and say that Charles Leclerc will be the next Ferrari world champion after Sebastian Vettel. Yeah, I would agree with that. Oh, that's two predictions in one. That's pretty yeah, cool. like it's going to win the championship as well. At mm-hmm. some point. I like it. I feel like that has to happen. And I think once that has happened, then there's more room for Charles to then do that bit. So it's the kind of hand in hand. Seb has to win one, and then it makes it easier for Charles to potentially win his own. Uh, say something positive about Stoffel van Dorn. This one might be a bit difficult given that he's had a bit of a hard start to the season, but I feel like he knows his place. I feel like he knows his place. Like, um, he, know, he knows that he's not going to be beating Fernando consistently, which is kind of good because he hasn't been missing him. But, um, 
I don't know. I feel like he came into F1 without too much of an expectation of what was going, what it was going to be. Like it didn't expect to be in the points every weekend. Like, he's quite grounded, I think. I think that's fair. Uh, Sean? Um, it's a difficult one. I still don't feel like I know him as a personality. Well, that's just because I personally don't watch or don't see enough of his interviews and his media stuff or whatever, whether it's because he's down in the field, so he's not getting as much time, I'm not sure. But I feel like I don't see an awful lot of Stoffel as from a personality point of view, so it's a little bit tricky for me to answer. I think he is a bit dry, to be fair. I think that is part of his... Yeah, I just feel like I think he's probably one of those people that you probably would find is actually very funny and entertaining if you knew him, but I, I don't think any of that possibly comes across in his interviews. If you if you watch the the Netflix documentary they did on the Honda thing, you kind of see it a little bit of him having a few jokes and bits and pieces with Fernando and stuff here and there. You kind of get the feeling that maybe he just when he's being asked questions by the media and stuff, he's not quite got that, um, you know, gift of of putting across himself in those kind of interviews. He's just he says what he you know he knows needs to say to answer the question. Yeah, I think that's certainly how how it comes across to me anyway. And I mean, he's certainly talented. His GP2 run proved that. Um, I think he's a bit unfortunate to have come into to come into having Fernando Alonso as his teammate in his first two years. And if he was in and, any, and the car that other, he's learning in is so bad yeah, as well. Yeah, it doesn't help. But even if he was in the McLaren and he had like Magnussen as his teammate, he'd probably be beating him. And Magnussen would probably beat him back and it'd be a really good duel and you'd get to see more of him. But because it's a bit more like, oh, well, he's just going to not, he's not going to beat Fernando. So that's just awful, you know, and we'll move on kind of thing. Um, and that's not his fault. You know, it's just Fernando's that good. And no matter who Fernando has got as his teammate, the chances are he's going to beat him. So stuffle has been a little bit unfortunate there. But at the same time, you could argue that he's getting to learn alongside one of the greatest of all time. So, I guess there's positives and negatives both ways to look at it. But yeah, I just I don't feel like I know him that well, so it's difficult for me to nail down a more or obvious positive. Uh, I think my positive for Stoffel is uh, I feel that he is the person whose talent is being hidden the most on the grid at the moment. Um, as you say, his, his, his GP2 run was pretty much as impressive as, as Charles. Um, and, you know... Uh, I think at the moment, you know, he's driving in a a car that's changing very rapidly week to week. Um, It's not, you know, with the way that McLaren develop and stuff, it's constantly changing. You know, he's constantly having to feedback on how the car feels to try and help it go forward. And, you know, he's against a teammate who's been doing that for year after year after year in some of the biggest teams in the sport. Um, And he's, two or three tenths off of his teammate. And everybody says that Fernando Alonso is worth two or three tenths in a car. So <laughs> do you know what I mean? It, it, it's probable that he's he's doing actually a reasonable job in, in, in the car generally, maybe not always in the race perfectly, but, um, you know, I, I think, I think we'll, we've got to wait until that McLaren is just a bit more stable. And then I think we might start to see more from him, more of that GP2 drive. Um, when, I think, I think when we will. Yes, I think, yeah, I think he will. Um, let me see. He's 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 had as difficult an entry to Formula One as 
you can really expect, you know, jumping into that car with that teammate, you know. <laughs> but I do think he's talented. Uh, on the opposite end of the scale, no, no, that's a, that's a bit harsh. Um, Lance Stroll, what, what, what can we say about Lance? If he crashes the car, he can always cover the bill. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. That's, that's quite, that's pretty good. When he um, crashes the car, he can always. Uh, yeah, this is also true. <laughs> um, yeah. I, he seems to drive Baku quite well. Yes, this is this is true. Um, now, in all seriousness, I think he, uh, the biggest positive you can give him I think, is that he is improved, and it's difficult for him to really show that in that Williams, that damn Williams car. But I think if you look at him. And the first five or six races last year to the first five or six races this year, I think there's obvious progress, there's obvious um, improvement in him. And he's hamstrung by having a, a bad car, but there is something just about there. With yeah. I think, I'd, I think I'd agree with that. I think that's the thing I say is that his, his first year drives show that he's probably better than um, people would actually give him credit He's a young kid, and he was obviously extraordinarily nervous when he first stepped into that car in Albert Park in 2017, and you've you seen it. It showed. But with time, he grew, and that's a, that's a positive. The ability to grow mm-hmm. and learn and progress has, has, has something to be said. Yeah, I feel like he's not the finished product yet as well. Like, no, he's Canadian. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> There's something for him to grow into, I think. Cool. Uh, <laughs> here's one to chew on, uh, but don't take too long because we're, we're running a little bit over over time. Uh, say something positive about Marcus Ericsson. He always shows up. This is true. Sean? <laughs> um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I'll, I'll I'll go with um. He has a determination that I think anybody else who'd probably been had this sheer volume of criticism thrown at him in every single social media sort of avenue going that he can't possibly have missed it to stick at it and still want to drive in a Formula One car. I have to admire his tenacity to, to go against the prevailing opinion that he has no business being in Formula One. I think I think I have to agree. His ability to to still be here is has to go down as something, you know. I think in years to come, we will look back and Marcus Ericsson fondly. I think we'll look back and and say, and, and you know, and just kind of laugh about how how great his ability to not lose his seat was. You know, as kind of like a cult hero almost. Um, in ten years' time, we'll be sitting here going, "Remember how? Remember how Marcus Ericsson still kept his drive?" And we'll have all we'll have a good laugh about it, you know. So, I guess that's something. <laughs> his battle with science in Spain was quite good, though. Mm, I suppose that's true. Yeah, I mean, like I say, uh, he can't. He's nowhere near like the worst driver that there's ever been in Formula One. It, it, by by such a long way, he, he's just. I think he's just an average driver. I don't think there's anything particularly wrong with him, but I just don't think he's he's really great. And I think that grates on people because yeah. they feel like there could be better people in his seat. You know, they'd have rather have seen Verline get another yeah. chance 
or Giovinazzi or, or anybody else get it because then there'd be something new to see. And I just don't think we see anything new from him week to week. And that that's what gets people down on him that he doesn't, you know, there's no, <laughs> there's no improvement in him. He doesn't seem to be becoming a better racer week on week. Um, like you said there, you called him an average driver and that's what he is. But average drivers don't normally make it in Formula 1. Not for as long as he has. That's they normally lose their seat after a season or two and get replaced by somebody else. And if they're average, then they'll go until finally someone sticks. Finally, yeah. you get somebody above average. <laughs> so so that's, that's it. You know, That's what's frustrating for people, that he's just average. And like you say, he's not bad. He's not like completely awful. He's just meh. And that ability to stay around for so long, being meh, is, is impressive. It's impressive. <laughs> okay, let's try and let's try and wrap these up a little bit quicker. Hopefully, we can get this done quick. Uh, say something nice about Esteban Ocon. Very talented, quick, and um, ability to go into that uh, that Force India and take on an established teammate in Sergio Perez and consistently beat him and race him. Uh, showed he has lots of talent. Nicky? Yeah, he's just uh, consistent, consistently good in qualifying and in the races as well. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, I, um, and I, I like his attitude. It sort of goes along with what Sean says. I like the fact that he's he's gone into all of his seats in, in, in all of the teams and just sort of, um, you know, had at it and, and, and carved himself a really good, you know, um, good race uh, in all the cars he's been in. Uh, say something good about Brendan Hartley, if if you can. I don't know enough about Brendan Hartley. Unfortunately. Um, I don't know. Um, it's nice to see somebody from New Zealand in Formula One. <laughs> uh. Say something nice about Roman Grosjean. Well, he's in the bad books at the moment, isn't he? <laughs> I suppose he's comedy value. Is that nice? Is that positive? I don't know. He is talented. I do like Roman. He just needs to get his head out of the gutter. Like, I feel like he's like having a midlife crisis as an F1 driver. Honestly, it feels like it. It's like, come on, man. Shake. Give yourself a shake. But... He's got ability. I don't think anybody would doubt that. Um, he's, yeah, I don't know. He's, Grosjean's just fine. I think Grosjean is great. I just blame Marcus Ericsson. <laughs> don't we all? <laughs> um, anything for, for Roman, Nicky? Uh, just his enthusiasm on team radio. Uh, it's very contagious. Yes, <laughs> this is true. He is keeping brake manufacturers employed, <laughs> so he is a credit to the to the automotive auto, uh, automobile economics. He is he's he's keeping them employed by consistently writing off his car and having the brakes fail. So, <laughs> uh, and last and almost certainly least, anything we can say about young Sergei Sorokin? Um, I don't necessarily have a positive. I just more feel kind of bad for him that he's uh, been chucked into this Williams car that's such a dog. A, li- a bit like, to a, li- to a slightly different extent, but a little like Van Dorn going into the McLaren, and it's difficult because Sorokin did show that he had a little bit of something in GP2, but he's just got no chance, and all that will end up happening is 
he'll get replaced after a year of really having no opportunity to show what he can do. So I feel bad for him, but I haven't. Yeah, I'm yet to see any, you know, overriding positives about him. Not that they're not there. I'm just not sure what they are yet. I am going to suggest that uh, the positive thing about Sergei Sorokin is that he's uh, preventing Robert Kubica from sullying his reputation by <laughs> having to drive that Williams. Yeah, yeah, we were all clamouring for Robert to come back, and I think now we're all kind of like, oh, probably, probably best he didn't, <laughs> if that's what he was going to be driving. I think he's probably thinking that as well now after testing it last <laughs> week. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Is that the last guy, Sorokin? That is the last guy. We have covered everyone. Last guy on our list and last guy in the championship. Yep. Well, that's been a show in itself. I, I thought we were going to have be able to talk about Red Bull possibly signing up with Honda, but we actually don't have time now, which is good because it means I can save it for another episode uh, and I don't have to think of more, more topics for the next time. I reckon that's going to go on for some months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure we've, we've probably got at, least, <laughs> we've got at least another two or three weeks of that. So yeah, I'll, I'll bring it up again um, closer to the end of the month. That's that's probably sensible. Well, thank you very much, um, Nikki, for joining us. Um, do you want to let the folks at home know um, where best to, to catch you about? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Nikki Holdenby and on uh, at Lights Out F1 blog. Um, and you can find my writing on lightoutblog.com and badgergp.com. Uh, Sean, do you want to remind anybody else where they can get hold of you? Yep, come along to see me on Twitter at Firebolt Willow for all things sport and the occasional bit of angry politics. Excellent. Yes, kind of uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Measured, measured, and calm <laughs> politics is probably pretty boring. So yeah, go <laughs> angry politics is probably best. Uh, as always, you can find uh, me running the uh, At Last Lap podcast account. Um, and just to remind you that we are at www.lastlappodcast.co.uk. And I must also uh, let you all know uh, about... Um, what was the link? I'm trying to remember the link now. Apologies. <laughs> uh, it was uh, grandprixscreenings.com. Um if you are a motorsport fanatic, uh, what better way to be able to enjoy the sport that you love on the biggest screen you can possibly think about watching it? And GrandPrixScreenings.com is the place to find out where you can do that, where you will be able to watch uh, Formula One on a Mahusive cinema screen. Uh, and apparently, according to Adam from uh, Badger GP, also the potential to sit in a Jordan GP car, um, which... Is obviously something most of us would, who've watched that the, the the Jordan cars run around the track is something that we've always uh, fancied doing. So uh, yeah, get yourselves over to GrampyScreenings.com or, or follow them on uh, Twitter at GP Screenings uh, and see where your local sort of F1 big screen experience uh, can be found. So thank you very much for listening, everybody. Uh, we will see you after Monaco. Uh, so until then, keep safe, and we'll see you then. Bye bye. Goodbye.